Welcome to So Chill with Andrew and Ryan, the perfect podcast to chill out and relax while we cover topics in business, technology, current events, self-improvement, and success. We're, we're live. Well, we're not live. We're recording. We're recording. Yeah. That's recording the, live. That's I'm here term. live. You're live. I mean, like, we're live to each other, but, yeah. like, the world is hearing this later. This is so chill. It's super chill. With Ryan and Andrew. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again. What episode are we on? Episode six? Yeah. I feel like we're on episode six. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Which one is that in Star Wars? I don't have no six, idea. It's the last one of the originals. Of the originals, yeah. yeah. And then Disney took over and started making. Yeah. Do you know why they did four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine? Yoda. Uh, was do I know it. why yeah, yeah, why he, they did it out of order? Yeah, Yoda was planning the. Ah, uh, because he speaks out of order. Very. It's a Thank you. First dad joke yeah, out, right out yeah, the bat yeah, in the yeah, first yeah, minute. Yeah. Got to get it out there. <laughs> Forty three seconds in. <laughs> It's funny, like we were walking around the block planning out all the stuff that we were going to talk about. And we didn't even do and that much planning. Really. No, we really didn't. We were like, here's a couple of ideas. Actually, okay, I think really the ideas started earlier today. It's a beautiful Saturday evening, but earlier today, Andrew and I were on the phone and we were talking about um, like how to choose. Pick. Yeah, how do you choose your uh, downtime Events or yeah, activities. like a, effectively choosing leisure activities. Leisure activities. Because I th- okay, so the re- the way that the conversation started was when Andrew called me. I was playing some random online video game with my brother Sean, and uh, and then we got into talking about video games. And I was telling Andrew like, this is like one of the few things, if not the only thing, that I do where I can just like, you know, not have to worry about getting work done and being productive and learning a skill or doing something for my company or whatever. Like it's literally like after I spend one or two hours or more playing a video game, I've accomplished nothing. And that's what actually, that? what do you mean by you've accomplished nothing? Well, like I haven't done something for my financial well being. I haven't done something for my uh, growth in terms of my skills, my, my life skills and my professional skills. It's, it's an activity that was just so in, intentionally done for the purposes of being meaningless. Are there only those two parts of you? Like meaningless leisure and active professional work? No, I, I mean, you said financial and physical. No, no, I didn't say physical. I said financial and like professional skills. And oh, stuff. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like we're all, we're all, depending on how you use your time. Who is that philosopher that said you are what you repeatedly do? Great question. You don't there's, there's, there's one of them that says you do what you are, and the other says you are what you do. Uh, and one of them was the German philosopher Kant. I'm going to Google the other it one was right Nietzsche. now. There's probably someone listening who's just like, I know exactly who that is. Why won't they just say the name? Is Nietzsche or Kant? And they said opposite things. Well, related but opposite things. You are converse things. You repeatedly do. I just yeah. typed the phrase into Google. Yeah, actually, I, I had said physical. Forgetting that you said professional, because I think you do something for yourself physically. You lower your blood pressure, you chill out, you recharge, you give yourself energy to go on to do other tasks. And I think really you should choose leisure activities that re-energize you. And if that's sitting still and playing video games, sure. If that's going for a jog, 
Sure. You know, you just got to do something that um, oh, drives you. Sorry, it was misattributed, misattributed to Aristotle, but I don't think it was Aristotle that said that yeah, based no, on this article. Been if it was misattributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, this article online says, Will Durant first wrote this phrase in a small book titled The Story of Philosophy, published less than a century ago. He gives an overview of the major philosophers of each age and summarizes their contributions to the philosophical canon. When discussing the Nicomachean Ethics, a major collection of Aristotle's thoughts on morality, Durant created my favorite quote of all time to support a rather wordy passage from his subject. Quote, As it is not one swallow or a fine day that makes a spring, so it is not one day or a short time that makes a man blessed and happy. That was Aristotle. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, my point is, like, got, getting totally off track here. My point is, um, I really do believe that, like, people are what they repeatedly do, right? So, if, and, and if you're somebody who, um, you know, works out all the time, you could consider yourself a workout an athletic person or even go so far as to say, I am an athlete. You could say, I, um, you know, I'm a, I, I work in my small business all the time, every day, and therefore I am an entrepreneur, right? Like, so you, when you ask me a question like, are you only those two things? I would say I am the collection or the sum of all the things that I repeatedly do. And, you know, I'm a pretty simple person these days. It's just mostly working. And, um, I, well, no, I think that's an oversimplification. I'm not being fair to myself. I think when I say something like work, there's so much that is involved in that. There's leading people. There's inspiring people. There's digital marketing, playing around with software. There's forging relationships with clients and fighting for their rights. There's um, recruiting people. So I'm, you know, in part of my job is talent acquisition. So there's like you know, maybe 10 different hats that I wear. I think all entrepreneurs wear multiple hats. And, um, you know, I enjoy wearing each of those hats. And um, I guess that all gets looped into the category of work. And, you know, you could say I'm a workaholic. You could say I'm a video gamer. You could say I'm a gym rat. But there's not like a long list of things <laughs> to answer your question. <laughs> yeah, and you know... I think the more things that you put into your identity, the harder it is to be, you know, fully one of those things. And, and the less that you choose, conversely, the easier it is to really put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And so you're like a very few eggs in one basket and watch that basket. Yeah. Yeah, like just... Focus focus on a few things. I mean, you can't be, you know, pulling yourself in too many directions at the same time. Just focus on a few things that you want to do with your life. Maybe it's like, you know, I was talking to a friend recently. She was telling me how she likes to take these solo long trips out, like, like totally like leave the province, leave the province of Ontario by nice. herself and just like go hiking climbing mountains and whatever, right? Like, and just exploring random places and meeting random people on her own. 
That's I, awesome. Uh, yeah, it is awesome. And but I I don't think I'd have the courage to do that just because you know when I think vacation I think socializing with friends and sharing that experience with other people. I I don't think I could have the you know the the drive to go and try to have an adventure by myself. I just wouldn't be able to do it. I would but, really like to do that. I I don't think I have done that for very many years. But like, you've done it before. Trips. Like yeah, long trips yeah, by long, yourself? Not long trips, but uh, uh, let's say like two-day trips by myself. Uh, but it's going back a long time now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, for example, like I like to fly up to the Sioux and stay with some friends over there. But, like, technically speaking, I'm flying there alone and I'm flying back alone. It's like a trip that I took right. by myself. But that, I don't consider those solo trips no. by any means whatsoever because the whole point social, is to go solo. and socialize with friends. I'm not yeah. sightseeing on my own or going to a restaurant on my own or whatever, right? Like, so, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, no, I can't say that I have done that stuff for the most part. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that, what I was saying was, like, you got to pick a few things that you think define you and, you know, make you happy. And why, why do you think that? Why do you think you have to choose a few? Because there's only so many hours in the day, right? So you can say, I'm a, I'm a gym rat, I'm a solo traveler, I'm a business owner, and, you know, I'm a reader. And that's it. Get all that stuff in. And, you know, again, you only have so many waking hours. And if you try to be everything at once... You also want to like be a successful musician, but also a successful surgeon, but also a gym rat, but also a solo traveler, but also a podcaster. Like you're going to be like, okay, so now like how do I, either you're going to end up doing some of those things very poorly and that's okay, fine. As long as maybe you're like, I, I had the satisfaction of doing like 80 different things today. Wonderful. But you're not going to be able to give proper quality time to each of those things if you're trying to be everything at once. Yeah, I think so too. I just wanted to prod. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. So anyway, yeah, Andrew and I were talking earlier today about like the importance of picking your leisure activities intelligently and strategically. Yeah. And that's that's why I like to play video games. And it's the other thing, it's like it's it's an opportunity for me to just hang out and chill with my brother. And like growing up we didn't have a great relationship and in our young adult life we didn't really talk much. But I think as we got older, um, we got a lot better, we got a lot closer. And now, like, if it's just, a, you know, at this point, playing video games online with Sean is just an excuse to, like, hang out with Sean. And, um, you know, like, he's never been the kind of person. He's been, always been, like, a homebody. Like, he doesn't really want to go out and do stuff. Like, he'd rather pick, you know, gaming in front of the television or watching a movie or TV show at home over, like, you know, like what you and I do sometimes after we finish podcasting, we'll walk down the street and hit up a sports bar and like just chill, right? Yeah. That's not the kind of thing that he's really into, mm -hmm. but that's fine. Like, like, you know, like we said, you got to pick the leisure activity that, uh, you know, makes you feel complete, makes you feel like it, it performs a valuable benefit to your life. There's a ton of mental health benefits to just checking out and doing something that isn't productive that you can look at and say, I didn't do that for money because I didn't make any money. I didn't do that to, like, learn something because I have, like, an exam hanging over my head or whatever. I just did that thing because it was pointless and it was fun. And that has, ex like, a ton of mental health benefits, I would say. You know, mm -hmm. if you're feeling mm -hmm. overworked, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling like, you know, just being pulled in too many directions. Actually, the other day, Canada Day, um, 
some friends and I went to the the beach. I think you were busy that day, but we went to the beach and we just set off some like some fireworks. Mm-hmm. And I went and bought the like the good stuff. I was like, "Give me something loud, <laughs> like give me something big." And they're like, "Oh yeah, we got what, we got what you need." And like the lady at the counter like put these big boxes on the counter. I'm like, "Yeah, that's what I'm looking for." So we went over, and she was like, "You got to brace these, you know, like bury them deep in the sand and make sure they don't move." So anyway, we got these great fireworks, and we went over to the park, and uh, um, you know, we just we just set them off, and we just enjoyed ourselves. We roasted hot dogs over the fire, and um, you know, had some ice cream, and set off fireworks, and just talked about nothing. And it was like, it was great. It was a feeling of like, you know just not having to think about all the troubles of, you know, adult responsibilities and just having like a pointless fun evening, which I guess the pandemic has made us feel really deprived of that. Yeah. If you've been following the rules anyway, there's some people that just didn't follow the rules throughout yeah. the pandemic. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, you, you realize that it was easy to, to forget what that was like and it was easy to forget how important stuff like that was. So, yeah. Maybe you next know, I, Canada Day you'll come out. You know, I didn't celebrate Canada Day this year somewhat intentionally because just with the, the national dialogue or the recovery of the graves of the Indigenous children, I didn't, well, I didn't feel that it was really appropriate to to go out and party, you know. And, and a lot of people, when Canada Day comes around, they do. I know a lot of people celebrate, and, and we have made progress in many ways as a nation. Uh, I'm very wary of nationalism because, um, you know, November 11th, another important date, Remembrance Day, it just reminds me of the world wars and uh, what people do in the name of their country. And, and you know, Canada has a fantastic charter of human rights um, and we're just in the progress process still of applying it equally to everybody. And uh, so for me, Canada Day was, was some reflection and uh, and just at home with my family. Yeah, I had been following um, all of the activity on social media and all the people that were talking about, you know, maybe we shouldn't celebrate Canada Day in light of the the discovery of the the indigenous children that were killed by, you know, Canadian authorities in these residential schools. And religious authorities. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, for the most part, what I saw, at least from a lot of our politicians, was a very balanced approach, which was nice to see. You know, across the board, you know, the conservatives and liberal MPs and... um, they were saying messages that that sort of, like, how do I put it, sort of acknowledged that um, this Canada Day would be different from other Canada Days in the past um, because it was a time of reflecting on all the different facets of Canada's history, not just all the positive celebratory stuff, but, like, um, the darker parts of Canada's history, recent and ongoing, you know, events. Um, And I, you know, I I guess I'm really like 
hooked on that word like like a balanced approach where it's like I don't I don't think canceling Canada Day altogether and just not observing the holiday or celebrating the day would have been good for the nation as a whole or or it, like everyday average Canadian individuals. I think what it is is we celebrate these things differently. We celebrate them with with the, with the knowledge that we don't have to hate our country or stop loving our country or stop celebrating our country. It's not one or the other, you know? It's not like we sit here and say, okay, we we need to, like, be ashamed of this country and any celebration of the country is now canceled, right? Like, it's like... It, it's we have to we have to understand that like there needs to be action and there yeah. needs to be there needs to be meaningful work that has to be done for the nation as a whole like as a state at the at the federal level and in the lives of everyday Canadians and in our education system to start being honest about what the Canadian state has done has has done to indigenous communities and what they some ways continue to do and um, at the same time not be ashamed to be Canadian I think we should all be proud to be Canadian you know I I was like I've said in the podcast before I was born and raised in this country and the people in this country have not always been good to me uh, and some people have been very very good to me and when I think of our uh, nation state as a whole you know, in the world, um, there's a lot about Canada where we do set a positive example for the rest of the world in terms of the um, the country that we've built as a, you know, as all the 35, 40, whatever the population of the country is now, 35, 40 million Canadians that are out there, we've built this together. And people look to Canada at least for most of my lifetime, I'm, my understanding is most of the global community has looked to Canada as a, in a very positive light. And um, I think we can grow uh, in terms of acknowledging Canada's darker history without losing our, our sense of pride in our nation and international reputation. You know, I think we can do both. I have, I have trouble with it, you know, because I really recognize that there's a lot of people who whose lives are really affected by yeah. by our nation over the past, you know, however many uh, decades in a really negative way. And I, I love this country, and I'm, I'm going to keep working to um, improve the lives of people around me. Uh, in fact, I think it's the only way to really make a living is to make other people's lives better. And I really, uh, you know, maybe it's, I'm a bit of a stoic, so I don't like to get too high or too low, but we for sure have work to do uh, to get to where we want to be. And, you know, it's still going to be Canada, and, and I'll, be, I'll be happier in the future uh, than I am today. And, and more satisfied with the progress that we made once we made it. 
Um, and so, you know, let's just keep moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Completely. Yeah. Strange times we're living in. How's that? Yeah. How's that? That's the thing with this podcast. We start off all funky and kooky, and then next thing you know, we're like, Canada Day. What do we do about it? What yeah. do we do about our nation yeah. and its history? Da, 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 da. Got that right. Like a couple so of guys chill, sitting so in chill. a <laughs> couple of guys sitting in a podcast room in downtown Toronto is going to change the world. <laughs> Saturday evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, so something that um, isn't going to change the world, but uh, we talked about this also, could change your life is your response to when you get an adrenaline rush due to a stressful situation. Yeah, yeah, I'm listening to this book by Mel Robbins. Yep. uh, And you know more about Mel Robbins than I do. I don't know that much. I know that she used to be a lawyer. I know that um, she was interviewed on Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory talk show, Mm -hmm. and I saw the whole interview, and I I really liked it. And she has a pretty successful, like, motivational speaking career. Other than that, I don't think I've read any of her books or anything like that. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah, what, what she said was this really impactful story, and I think a story is really the best way to illustrate this principle, yeah. is that when she was in her teens, she went swimming with a bunch of people. Yeah. She was not a swimmer. And right. uh, she got out into the water as deep as she felt like she could walk and still touch the ground. And then she panicked because she must have just caught a current or something and... Uh, Stepped in the wrong direction. Yeah. And, and so she panicked and she screamed and she cried and they were lifeguards. Yeah. And it's great that they saved her life, of course. Um, and they helped her through it. But she said that for her, any time for decades after that, she experienced a stressful situation. She panicked and cried. And she expected those lifeguards, not, you know, not... She expected someone to come save her. Yeah. Yeah. She expected a lifeguard. And... When you are in a stressful situation and the adrenaline hits you, the epinephrine, um, you have about 90 seconds of rush yeah. that your, your body is pushing into your brain from this adrenaline drug. Gotcha. And you can run with it. And in fact, a lot of people do. And they just stay worked up until... The situation is potentially totally different, yeah. either from them having been really aggressive. But you, you know that you've heard of the lizard brain? Yeah. Fight or flight or, you know, whatever. There's a whole bunch of yeah. other ones in there. I think freeze is one of them. Okay. And uh, anyway, so your lizard brain kicks in and you get this reaction where you, uh, you, you're in self-preservation mode. Yeah, and so one of the things she teaches is to understand where your your reactions are coming from, from your life, so that you can um, mitigate those bad reactions and settle into the situation. And so, uh, something that I I had the benefit of growing up was I did martial arts for about a decade and a half. Yep, and I mean you get in in a fight. Um, even if it's a controlled situation for the first time, if you don't know what you're doing, you are stressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
the first time you put on gloves and somebody's facing you down yep. and they throw their first punch right yeah. in your face. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's very stressful. But you learn to breathe and calm yourself down and stay in your head instead of, you know, your body pushing your head out of control. And uh, I, I really am really glad that I've had that training and it took me a long time to recognize that that was a, a you know, a significant uh, difference from me and a lot of people my age. And I think, you know, I'm mid-30s now. A lot of people have learned to control those reactions in themselves. Yeah, and hopefully. To cool themselves down. <laughs> yeah, I hope. I hope. And, and if you haven't and you're listening to this. It's time to grow up. It, it's definitely it helps. Yeah. It helps, let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you were telling me that story earlier. Uh, about Mel Robbins and the swimming situation. Uh, it reminded me of when I was um, in uh, the Caribbean. The, yeah, I was in I was in the Dominican Republic, and uh, I we had, what we did was we took the whole company, company yeah. all the employees, to uh, a resort, all ex- all inclusive resort in the Dominican, and um, we you know when you're there you can go out on these like excursions and one of the excursions is like you could go scuba diving. So I was like, I'd never been scuba diving before. This seems pretty cool. I want to give this a try. I do know how to swim. Should be all right. And they, now this was how things unfolded was entirely my fault. It wasn't the fault of the scuba diving people or anything like that. Um, they, you know, when you sign up, it was like a one day of training, and then they take you out on the next day. Oh, nice. So I went on the training day, and, uh, and they get you to fill out this form indicating, like asking you if you've been having any certain, like, symptoms of anything, like have you felt congested or whatever. And I remember, I'm like, yeah, I have felt kind of congested, and maybe it's just the climate and... Whatever. Oh no! But I, I just, I just indicated no on the form. Oh no! Because I'm like, I want to go scuba diving, and if I say yes, they might say I'm not allowed to go scuba diving. Well, they probably would have. And yeah, and that would have been a smart thing yeah. if if I had just been honest and they had stopped me. That actually oh, would have geez. turned out much better for Dude. everybody. I know, I know, I know. So anyway, I um, I went, I completed the training just fine, which was in a swimming pool, and you're in your full gear and everything, and I'm like, that's not so bad. Of course, the ocean is very different than a swimming pool. Um, so we went out the next day, and it was a little bit windy. It was a little bit rainy, more than usual. Um, and I, I had been there for a few days, and I knew kind of what the waves look like on a good day and what they look like on a bit of a rougher day. So I'm like, oh, man, first time I'm going scuba diving, and I'm going in these kinds of waters, and I'm feeling a little congested. I'm like, I'm starting to get cold feet about this. And, um, you know, I was some other people in the boat were like puking and stuff like that. Like they was just, it was something else. And I was like, Oh shit. Um, so I'm like, I get into the water and I'm like, this ain't so bad. And I'm just kind of like doing my thing. I'm floating around. I got my gear on. They put this weight, they put these weights around your waist, like heavy metal weights to help you sink. And, um, you know, one of the instructors jumps into the water as well, and she brings me a safe distance away from the boat. 
And it was, it's quite a large boat. And um, so I'm just floating there. She's like, all right, now we're going to submerge just like we did with the training. I'm like, all right, no problem. So I'm going under the water. And then uh, for anyone who knows anything about this stuff, you already know that what you're supposed to do is something called equalize. You have to equalize. What does that mean? Basically, equalize is a very simple thing. It just means you hold your nose and you take your fingers and you, you plug your nose. You obviously keep your mouth shut and then you blow out. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that air from your lungs goes into your ear canal and it adjusts to the pressure change as you sink. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just like you do on an airplane yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. When you, you purposely yeah. pop your ears. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you're feeling congested, that process is not possible. So what ends up happening is the air pressure in your ears cannot be equalized. And the deeper you go, the more painful it becomes. So I was like trying to, I was plugging my nose. I was keeping my mouth shut and I was exhaling. And one of my ears was kind of equalizing and the other one wasn't. Oh, no. And these weights were around my waist and it was bringing me deeper into the water. And it was becoming more and more painful. And I'm like, oh, shit. It's either, it's only a matter of time until the pain becomes so intense that I, like, lose consciousness. So this could have been, like, a near-fatal lie. Oh, yeah. That, I, I, when I tell this story, I t- the fir- like, one of the first things, well, I, I neglected to say it this time, but usually one of the first things I say is, like, this is the story of the time I almost died in the ocean. <laughs> because shit. I was like, you know, it was a very painful, you know, air air pressure that was building up in my ear. And I'm like, if I fucking like if i knock out or i go unconscious i could drown who's gonna save me this like instructor was like half my size she's a small lady but anyway um i was like nope 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 i am kicking my feet and i know how to swim so i'm going right back up to the surface problem is it's a little tough to stay you got the bends or what well no i didn't get the bends that would have been really really bad i know what the bends are but uh, and you can Google it if you're listening to this. You want to know what the bends are. It's the opposite. It's you got to equalize in both directions. Yeah. So yes, you do. But that's if you're sufficiently deep, and then you have to safely go up. But I yeah. wasn't so deep into the water that I had to deal with any risk okay. of going back up. So anyway, um, problem is when you get to the surface and the waves are kind of large because of the windy day, and uh, and, and you got these weights around your your waist, and you're kind of like freak it out a little bit. You start to panic. They say, you know, when you're in a situation where you think you're going to drown, don't panic. That's the number one way to drown yourself. So um, I'm just kind of freaking out, and I'm just like, what do I do? And the instructor sees that I'm, like, not okay. And uh, I'm, like, kind of, like, just, like, like treading water, but, like, have this panic look on my face. And then I'm, like, I look at the instructor. She, you know, and then she's, like, you have to swim she just says, I just remember that. That's all she said. You have to swim. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because it's like, I have to swim or I'm going to drown. <laughs> like, So I, I point myself to the boat and I just swim my ass off. I, I was like exhausted. But that, it's what you were talking about. You got that 90 seconds of adrenaline rush. Yeah. Like I had never felt more like... It is, I, I've run on the treadmill, you know, I've done my cycling, I've been a gym rat, whatever, I've done my cardio, but no cardio exercise I've ever done came close to, like, how exhausted I felt in that moment of, like, thrashing in the ocean to get back to this boat. So then, anyway, I get back to the boat, 
and like my head's bobbling up and down water. And it's crazy because, you know, I still have this scuba gear on. So in theory, I could just calmly get air from the breathing apparatus and I don't have to worry about necessarily keeping my head totally above water all the time because I still got that breathing apparatus in my mouth. But here's the problem. When you've just had an adrenaline rush and you've just swam like that, your heart's beating and you want to take big gulps of air. You don't want to, like these breathing apparatuses require you to breathe very, very slow and controlled. And if you try to take a deep, fast breath through the pipe, it's not going to supply you with that kind of air. Yeah. The air doesn't show up in the pipe at that quantity and speed. Yeah. So imagine um, it like you've just sprinted for you know, and you just 45 seconds and you're, and you're, and you're toast. And then someone puts a bag on your mouth and they say, that's, that's all, that's all the air you're going to get, or puts a straw in your mouth. You'd, says, be that's burning. The, you'd be burning, right? You want to gulp air. You don't want to breathe through a straw after you sprinted for 45 yeah. seconds. So anyway, the instructor, you know, shouts something in, in, uh, Whatever language it was, I that sound really ignorant. In the Dominican now. Republic, it's yeah. probably Spanish. Right? Yeah, it, it was it was Spanish. Yeah, so she shouts something in Spanish to the people on the boat, and I see them lower the the ladder, and I'm like, oh, thank God. And I um, I like I swim like crazy towards this ladder, and I, I grab onto it, and like I climb up. At this point, I'm just using my arm strength to lift myself up the ladder. I'm not even like the, the rest of my body's just gone. I'm just like pulling strength from my biceps and triceps, whatever, just lift me up through this thing. And like, um, after I'm like halfway up the ladder, I stop and like, I just scream. <laughs> Cause like, it's just like this, like, have you, have you ever seen, um, the Punisher on Netflix? No. Okay. So for anyone who's seen the Punisher on Netflix, he's this action hero, whatever, like military tough guy. And, and, you know, but before he goes into like a firefight, um, he has like this war cry. <laughs> I know it sounds really cheesy when you explain it like that, but like when you watch the show, it actually makes him look like a real badass. Is it like an ah? Yeah, it's like, ah, right. And he goes in, guns blazing. And okay. Like, right. right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when you're in that, you're watching the scene and it's all the, the music is going and the guns are firing and you're like, yeah, this guy's so cool. But anyway. I wasn't thinking of that, of course, when I was climbing up this ladder, but the same thing happened. Like, I just let out this, like, fucking war cry because I was so, like, jarred from the experience. I was like, ah, right? And I felt like I was, like, you know, in that very moment, I'm bringing this all back to the Mel Robbins story that you were yeah. telling a little while ago, where it, when she was in, a, in trouble in the water, uh, some lifeguard showed up and saved her. Whereas for me, I had to save myself. And after that experience, I actually felt like I felt stronger and I felt more powerful because I was like, if I find myself in another near-death experience again, I can probably do something about it. You know, I can probably get myself out of it somehow. Like, it just gave me a sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was stupid that I put myself in that position in the first place. But the fact that I was also able to get myself out of it with just, like, raw determination felt pretty good. And I got back on that boat. Um, I can't say I went back in the water because that was it for me. I had, I, I had more than enough scuba diving for one day at that point. But, you know, um, I, you know, I kept my, my head on straight. I didn't puke over the edge of the boat or anything like that, although I, at, some t at some points I felt like I maybe wanted to. 
but I just, they had like a hose on the boat and I just hosed myself down Damn. and, um, just the cold water really helped. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was, we just, I waited for my, my friends to finish up scuba diving. We all reassembled back on the, I think what happened was when they, they stopped at an island, there's like a very, very small island, um, where they receive all the scuba diver tourists and they, you know, you, you, you eat and you, you know, maybe you buy some souvenirs and maybe you get a massage or whatever. And then once you're ready to go, uh, you get back on the boat and you go back to the mainland. And it was actually like, overall, it wasn't a terrible experience. I think overall it was, it was cool. Um, didn't feel too excited about it on the day of, but now looking back, it's okay. It was fine. It was an experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my loosely tangentially related water trauma story that's that I thought of when you told me the Mel Robbins story. Yeah, and, and so do you think that that event has impacted the rest of your life? Oh, 100%. How so? Yeah. Um, in a... In a way, like, in a few ways. First of all, I don't, I think anyone who's alive long enough loses their youthful sense of invincibility. Like, when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, you think you're invincible. Like, you can go do these totally reckless stunts and think you're going to be fine. And that's actually how a lot of people end up getting themselves really badly hurt. But the younger you are, the more invincible you think you are. Now, me, I was, like, probably in my... I don't know, late 20s when this all happened. And I wouldn't say I, I was so young that I still had a sense of invincibility, but whatever traces of that I may have had was gone after that. I'm like, yeah, I could have potentially drowned in the ocean uh, and nobody would have like found the body, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that really, that was a wake up call that like, don't be stupid, don't, and don't, and you're not invincible. The second thing was what I just said, which is like, if you do, you find yourself in an extreme situation, like you can get yourself out of it. And in fact, you have to count on yourself to get yourself out of it. No one else is going to come to save you. Like I've said on a previous episode of this podcast. And like, other than that, like, I can't say there was, there was something. I don't like to talk about it much, but um, I'll be very vague about it. I won't go into too many details, but there was a, I was expecting there was a lot of people there, yeah. And I'm not making a comment about um, uh, the group or anything like that, but uh, I was discussing or talking about what happened with someone, and I expected um, some sympathy, some sympathy, and uh, I didn't receive it. I received the opposite. It was uh, kind of like um, frustration, like a scolding, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe scolding is the wrong word. But it, again, like I said, I want to be vague. I don't want to go into too many details, but it was not pleasant. Um, and, it, you know, when you just go through like a traumatic event, you want some comfort. Mm-hmm. And when you don't find it, it just makes it that much worse. So that wasn't very nice. And um, I think, you know, without making any comment about any particular person or anything like that, I what I do want to say is like it, it re... It sort of solidified and, and just like cemented that message that I was talking about before where it's like you got to count on yourself you can't count on um, other people to not just like save you when you're in crisis but you also can't count on other people to like comfort you afterwards 
Like that's, that's the meaning and the power behind the phrase that I keep saying, which is no one's coming to save you. Like, I really do mean that like, it's not just about, man, I'm in this tough situation and I yeah. really wish that someone would help me. Nature it's also about you stu- a rough enough lesson. Yeah. It's like, it's also about afterwards. It's also about when you're on the other end of that crisis or you've, you've escaped that dark time of your life and you think that someone's going to come along and make it better or comfort you or tell you it's going to be okay or like help you heal that wound or whatever. That's probably, don't count on that happening either. Now I know like the more you listen to this podcast and the more episodes you hear, like, man, you might think, damn, this guy's really a cynic. And I don't consider myself a cynic. I, um, I consider myself as someone who's been through some really tough experiences in life. And I've taken those tough experiences and I've Allow, I've, I've helped them shape me into a stronger person. And strong doesn't mean like bitter and angry and cynical. That's not what strength means. Strength just basically means that you move through life with the knowledge and the confidence that the next time something or somebody tries to take you down or hurt you, they're probably not going to succeed because you can overcome that. That's what I mean by strength. So, But you got to go through some tough experiences Either, you know, something happens to you medically or something happens to you in terms of like a situation like the ocean situation I was talking about or your interactions with other human beings. You know, so you got you to gotta go through the really tough parts of life to come out a tougher person and a stronger person. And then you got you to gotta, you gotta wonder. It's like, what would you rather have? You know, a very comfortable, easy life and be soft and kind of have weak mental fortitude or do you want to have a tough life and be proud that you're a tough person on the other side of it? I don't know. It's a tough it's choice. It's a good question, but you know what? I feel like in my life there there have definitely been people who uh, were not uh, kind. And, you know, a lot of those people are, are out of my life and I haven't talked to them in a very long time. Um, and the justification that I received when I called people out on that and a number of times is, well, you're just so young and impressionable. I want you to learn to take care of yourself. And there are other ways to teach people to take care of themselves yeah. than by treating them like, <laughs> like shit. Like, like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're in a vulnerable position or it's someone in a position of authority who's telling you that, like, I don't know what it was for you and I don't know how much you want to share on a public forum, like a podcast, but yeah, you, there are better ways to like instill toughness into somebody. Yeah, and I uh, to be clear, I don't think it's the job of other human beings to like put you through hell to make you tough. I think life will do that on its own. You know, like I oh, think yeah. you know, like like in in inanimate non-human things in the universe will do that to you. Yeah, like, like your situation with nearly drowning. Yeah. That did that to you. Yeah, that was just the universe. And just trying to like, accomplish great things in helping other people is hard. Yeah. It's hard enough. And if somebody is trying to do good yeah, and earn a living and, you know, have an impact, it's just so backwards to me to... To put them down or push them down. But uh, I think for far too many people, they live not absolutely but relatively. And so Mm. they don't look at how they're doing. Yeah. They don't compare themselves to themselves. Right, 
Right. They don't say, well, yesterday I did this and today I'm going to do a little better or I was feeling this and I'm going to feel better. They really think for me to succeed, other people have to fail. Otherwise, it doesn't mean as much. And so they go out and they try to make people fail. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with our school system. Everything is a goddamn competition in our school system. Like you want to get into law school it you know your LSAT score is all about how many people did worse than you. Wow, you know they don't tell you. You it's like hey you got like a seventy five percent or ninety nine percent on the test. This is how many correct answers versus incorrect answers you gave. That's not the score they give you. They tell you this is how many people did worse than you, and this is how many people did better than you. And the more people that did worse than you, the more likely you are to get into law school. You're in the 80th percentile, 90th percentile, 95th percentile, whatever. They pitch you against each other. And anyone who, you know, um, didn't beat the majority of the people or the vast majority of the people, they're probably not going to get into a law school that cares very much about the LSAT. You can still go to law school, either a law school that doesn't require the LSAT, and there's many of them around the world, or uh, you go to a law school that requires it but doesn't really care for your score very much. So, um, you know, and that's not just law, but I mean, if you want to do anything in our education system, you have to, you know, get good grades and you have to sometimes take a standardized test, which is about beating the competition and getting accepted to the program that other people couldn't get accepted to or whatever. And the thing that I find crazy about this is that that's not really how a lot of life works. I get that some parts of the quote unquote real world does work that way. There are some parts, like if you wanted to forget the school system, if you wanted to go be an athlete and you, you know, you wanted to compete in the Olympics or you wanted to whatever, um, sports are about competition. Sports are about I win the game if you lose the game. And sure, that part of life is about getting ahead by making other people lose. Um, But I like to think most of life is not about those things. Most of life is not about how do I make other people around me fail so I can succeed. Most of life is about how do I grow as a person and ensure that I have good physical and mental health in this very challenging world that we live in. Life is about developing good self-care habits, which isn't about competing and making other people lose. Life is about being consistent with your diet and you don't have to make sure somebody else gets fat to in order to eat a salad you can eat a salad and not think about anyone else right so there's so much of life that has nothing to do with like beating the competition or like trying to make other people fail but school puts you in this mindset and i don't just mean grade school i mean post-secondary education and professional school and whatever vocation you end up choosing it puts you in this mindset that Life is just about, you know, stepping over other people. And it's crazy because, you know, people who don't self-reflect on this problem, this this psychological problem that school creates, um, they end up going their whole goddamn lives with that kind of rotten attitude. I meet lawyers who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s whose entire identity is built around, you know, beating the other person and feeling like they're superior to other people because that's how they were primed from a very young age in the education system 
from, you know, whatever age kids enter school all the way up to them finishing off their law degrees at the age of 25 or whatever. You know, it's crazy. Um, I don't think that's how life should be. I don't think that's in our best interests as human beings. And I say this as someone who has dealt with a boatload of exposure to competitive environments throughout my entire career. Yeah. Anyway, it's not meant to be negative. It's just how can we do better as a society? How can we do better as people? How can we not buy into all the nonsense and rise above it? You know, it's a heavy one. I mean, just, I guess for, yeah, okay. I, I can't, I can't deny that. <laughs> it's a heavy topic, but like, I don't, I don't, the thing is I don't intend it to be heavy. Right. I think I just, these are just my thoughts on life. And like, I think of them as just like no more or less important as like, it's important to eat a salad for lunch you know like if you can if you can cut back on the calories if you can get to your weight loss goals like or brush your teeth at night you know like these are all just very simple regular normal good advice that um we all just kind of know so we just kind of do it as much as you can you know and when i get into stuff like oh this is what i think is wrong with the education system and this is what i think how it's ruining our mental health i don't think of that as any different as like you should brush your teeth before you go to bed. I don't think of that those kinds of topics as any different as like if you're trying to lose weight, cut back on your sugar. You know, like it's all just simple, whatever common sense. To, at least that's how I look at it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, at one point or another, you got to wake up and uh, smell what's going on around you. And uh, yeah. So, guys. Um, I really apologize. Uh, normally, if you've been following the podcast, our episodes are usually anywhere between an hour and a half all the way as long as maybe even two hours. And we've, um, it's about 50, 51 minutes into the podcast now. But um, Andrew and I have plans to go hit up a sports bar after this podcast. And, um, you know, usually we talk about stuff that we don't necessarily talk about, like on air, whatever, just because we're whatever, we're human beings, we're regular people, and, you know, stuff we want to put on air and stuff we don't. And um, I'm going to choose to cut the episode short so I can be there for my friend and we can chit chat and we can talk about life. And uh, hopefully we come back uh, next episode with uh, a longer uh, session and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to So Chill with Andrew and Ryan. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Spotify and chill out with us again next time.